Welcome to Many Talks Podcast, talking all business, entrepreneurship, property development, finance, and investment. Afternoon, so it's Reese Many here, um, host of Many Talks Podcast. Got a fantastic guest. We're still into season three and we're rolling, you know, from the back of some sports styles that we've had on. Um, we're now talking back into finance. We've got somebody. A guest today with an impressive background in finance, tech and education. Brett, thanks for coming down. Pleasure. Absolute honour to be here. So, Brett, um, just a little introduction about yourself, how you started, what it is you do, because the reason that we do these podcasts is to give back value to listeners that might be in a situation where me, you or anybody else has been maybe wanting to start something or just, you know, maybe looking for education. Uh, which fits in well with your background and what you're doing right now. So, yeah, just give us an explanation of about yourself, really, and your journey and what you're doing now. Yeah, so I'm, I'm Brett, the founder and CEO of Noma. We provide an ethical finance solution and wider marketplace for lifelong learning. What, rewind 10, 15 years, started my career out of university just up the road here in 25 Bank Street at the then Lehman Brothers Nomura kind of trading floor. Did that for the first three, four years of my life and kind of quickly realized that wasn't for me. Uh, and then kind of the last eight odd years have been on a journey of being involved in a range of startups from a variety of sectors, which have ultimately led me to to founding Noma, given my passion uh, and desire to help people gain skills to prosper in life. And is the, is the passion education? Very much so. I think, you know, my analogy with when it comes to education is they're like train tickets yeah. with them you can go anywhere without without skills and qualifications th- those doors are closed yeah makes sense i mean so your background investment banking what why was that not for you there probably be some listeners that are looking to get into that right now or you know looking at leaving school and they want to be in the city they want to be an investment banker now we know things are not always for everybody, but what was it that turned you away from from that? Sure, and look, I, I, I would not say to anyone, don't do it if you're passionate about that, excited about being involved in the markets. I think there's some fantastic job opportunities there and fantastic career opportunities. Um, for me personally, you know, I learned loads over the three or four years that I was there. I'm, I'm thankful for that experience, that, that background that I had, but ultimately what I, I personally realized, a couple of things. One, I didn't want to get up at 4.15 to be in work at 5.15 every morning. Uh, that was knackering, number one. Number two, I was watching eight computer screens, lines going up, lines going down. Mm. I specialised in consumer and pharmaceutical stocks. Okay. And, you know, these are big publicly listed uh, multi-billion dollar kind of businesses. And ultimately, I had no impact, no say on the culture, the product, the strategy of these businesses. I was merely watching lines go up, lines go down. And from that experience, I realized very early on in my career, I wanted to do something that A, I could look back on and be proud of, but B, be involved in early stage business where I could influence the product, the strategy, and and ultimately the business in the direction. When when was it that you knew yourself that you wanted to be involved in a startup of a business? So my mother runs her own business. I've got um, uncles that have always run their own business. So I guess I've always been surrounded by it. Yeah. but when I was graduating from, from university, you know, the VC scene here in London was quite limited. I certainly didn't have much exposure or knowledge to that. You know, the tech boom of, of the 2010s 
here in London and Europe hadn't really happened. So it was only really when I was in my early to mid 20s coming out of banking, yeah. where you're starting to see these new businesses getting early stage venture capital funding to allow them to do different weird and exciting things. And I guess at that point, it was like, I've got to get involved in this. Yeah, okay. We'll we come on to, to the venture capital and, and raising money because I know that you've done that and a lot of our listeners are interested in that. But what I want to do is strip it right back to, you know, when you was at school, what was it like? Was Did you have the entrepreneur mindset from an early age at school? You said already you was around entrepreneurs, your mother, your uncles and, and people that was in business. Um, and what I like to try and dig down on is to find out whether that entrepreneurial spirit comes from then back at school when you was younger or whether you've grown into that as you as as you've grown as a person and developed as a person i suppose yeah great question and i think you know looking back and reflecting on it now certainly my time at school i really enjoyed i worked very hard and i was very focused and driven yeah um but i guess i've always had something inside me that if i see something that isn't particularly efficient or I believe can be done better or in an, or in an alternative way. Yeah. You know, I often, even at an early age, would question that and say, well, hold on, this just seems a bit ridiculous. We could do this and do this way better if we did it this way. So I guess maybe there's always been that in me. Um, Not but a it, good pupil then? Um, <laughs> For the teachers? No, I think, you know, it's some teachers loved me, others maybe not so much. Um, but, so I'll maybe swerve that question. But I think ultimately getting to the heart of really what maybe you're asking here are entrepreneurs born or are they made? Mm. I'm very much in the camp of, of sitting on the fence that I think actually is a combination of the Both. two. Yeah, I, I, I thoroughly agree with yourself. I think, you know, you, you can grow into it and if you're around it at an early age, then, you know, you, that does help. But it's, I think it's a, it's a mentality. When people ask me about entrepreneurship, it's more of a mentality. And the question that I've got for yourself, do you think it's a mentality kind of thing? Do you see that your mentality and your desire is different to other people and friends and family around uh, you? Yeah, very much so in that there's far easier ways to make money and, and to have a far more comfortable life. Yeah. So, you know, it's not just about coming up with an idea, getting investment and off you go. You know, that there's an element of that. But I think you've absolutely got to have that hunger, desire to A, take some risks, B, make massive sacrifice, and C, to, you know, work harder, longer than what you would do in a normal job and often not get paid for a very long time. Yeah, and a lot of people look at, I mean, especially with social media these days, um, it makes everything look pretty straightforward and pretty simple. Um, as you said, you've had a few successful startups and you've been at the, the forefront of them startups and especially the one that you're working on now. You know, what, it's not easy and some people don't see that. So what kind of advice could you give to somebody that, you know, is, is looking to start something, but they're a little bit, you know, sitting on the fence, let's, let's say. Yeah, so first of all, social media, I think you've, you've got to kind of cut through the BS on that in that yeah. it's, it's not easy. It, it needs to be a well-informed, considered decision. Um, because again, it's not always financially rewarding and often it is highly stressful and, uh, you know, very demanding. So yeah. anyone that is there considering jumping into founding their own business, do your research on the market, speak to potential customers, speak to potential partners, actually try and get a feel for, is there a market? 
If so, who would, you, who would you be competing with? And try and do the groundwork before kind of jacking in your job and kind of going hell to leather for it. Because, you know, as we all know from the statistics, most startups fail. Mm. Sad reality. Hopefully, you know, in this country and in this continent, that starts to change as we have better programs, better accelerators and support and networks around us. But, you know, it is a very different thing to having a nine to five and, and getting paid a, a stable income. Yeah, yeah, no, thoroughly agree. So let, let's go back and let's talk. That's some great insights there of you growing up and how, how you fell into being an entrepreneur and what you think it takes to be an entrepreneur. Let's give our listeners a bit of thought of how you started and why you started and what inspired you um, to to get into the education space, really. Because looking at your website, it's, it's, a, it's a great model. Um, did you just wake up one day and think of it? Was it? Absolutely not. And again, <laughs> I, you know, the Eureka moment, uh, I don't know if that necessarily has ever happened for you, but it certainly hasn't happened for me. It's been uh, a multitude of mini steps that have led yeah. me to where I am now. So with Noma itself, I, after banking, moved to Australia, okay. spent nearly eight years in Australia, found that as a place to be very open to giving things a go, having a crack and love that. Yeah, Got yeah. involved in a range of startups, including a family office, which were putting money to work. Okay. In in that environment, they had a range of investments in the education space. Um, now, back in 2016, the then prime minister in Australia, Malcolm Turnbull, pulled billions out of the post-18 um, sector for funding. So at the time, I pitched to the family that I was working for, why don't we actually build an alternative and supplementary funding model for education to fill the gap that has now been created from the government. Yep. So that's where the original uh, kind of concept concept came from. So that was my previous business, which okay. is still going called ZFi. Um, and you know, where I, what I'm doing with Noma is really now six, seven years on, it's iteration two, learning how to go bigger, better second time round. Yep. Um, so yeah, not quite the like kind of flash moment, but <coughs> it, it, it was reacting to news, seizing an op- opportunity, and it's just been iterated from there. Yeah, with, with Noma, what's been your biggest challenge? Oh, I, I'm always saying to the team that we're, we're firefighting, and that's how I would describe my, my day, daily activity, in that you solve one problem, often 20 more appear. <laughs> um, and you know, as you go from being a one-man band to having four employees to eight employees oh. to 20 employees, you know, those, those challenges changed and they evolve. Um, so, you know, in the early days, it was about getting that initial seed investment. Um, obviously, without money, you, you know, particularly when you're trying to build a fintech, which is expensive, does require mm. systems, uh, legal help. You know, getting that first injection of cash is super important. Uh, you know, another kind of hurdle that we've had to face are then dealing with the regulator, the FCA, making sure that we are compliant, yeah. whilst then also contending with being a, a lending business, we also not only needed equity investment, but debt investment. Yeah, yeah. And that is crazy hard because you're basically going to someone and saying, hey, I currently have a lending business. We've never lent a single pound out. Therefore, we've never collected a single pound back. We've got unproven systems, unproven credit models. Um, but I think it'd be a really good idea for you to give me a load of cash to go and lend out. That is difficult, and I think that's often where anyone starting a lending business usually fails, yeah. because that that's almost the hardest and steepest hurdle to jump. Yeah, I want I want to come on to that because obviously 
increasing difficult it's increasingly difficult especially in at the moment to raise capital it's it's not easy um especially for a startup or um something like that you've raised around 33 million us dollars um for equity and debt as you just said how have you achieved that yeah with a lot a lot of long nights <laughs> a lot of sleepless nights yeah. um and a lot of hard work um but, you know, it, it, it starts small in that one day I didn't just get someone to write me a check of that size. No, so yeah, you know, the first check together. we had was for a couple of hundred thousand pounds. That was to kind of go and prove out concept. Yeah. Um, and obviously it's ste stepping stones. So as you take on money, you are able to then hopefully prove and hit further targets and milestones. Yeah. And that then unlocks further investment. Mm. But, you know, I think I had the extra advantage that I had done this before. I had raised kind of even more money in Australia. So kind of my previous startup almost looked at that as kind of having my training wheels on. Yeah. Um, and that, that gave me the confidence to say, do you know what? I've done this before. I know what not to do and what to do. Yeah. Um, funny enough, the things that you think work first time are going to work <laughs> second time don't. Yeah. But still, it gives you the confidence and the experience to actually navigate getting both equity and debt funding. But it's, it's like dating. You're going to get a lot of no's before you get a yes. Yeah. Okay. And if anybody is out there that's looking to raise investment, what kind of advice would would you give them? Yeah, so recognize that not all investor investors are equal. So first of all, what stage are you at? Have you received any investment before? Are you pre-revenue or are you post-revenue? Mm. Do you have customers? What what sort of revenue are you at? Um, what sector are you in? That will then determine kind of where you go. You know, if you're at pre-seed, maybe you're going to do friends, family and fools round to kind of whip to get that MVP up. Yeah. Or if you've actually kind of already done that, maybe you can move to actually getting some pre-seed early venture capital kind of investment. But depending on kind of where you're at in the business life cycle, what sector you're in, that then dictates who who is actually going to be open to conversations. And then again, it's about doing research to make sure that you're going in to those meetings where often you've only got one shot yeah. to actually grab their attention. So you need to have your deck. Right. You've got to get it right. So you need, you know, often three things in that initial meeting. One, the deck that you're going to walk them through. And often you've got five minutes to make that pitch. Two, you're going to need a model because instantly after that meeting, if they're interested, they're going to ask to see your financial model and forecast. Uh, and then number three, if they're actually super interested, they're going to want access to your due diligence room. So that's where you're going to need a folder which you can securely share where you've got all of your company certificates, all of your legal documents and everything ready to go. go. So, you know, don't go into it in a rush. Go into it having planned and prepared. Yeah. So if you're that person that's sitting at home first ever, they've got an idea, where do you first go to raise money? Where, where would your first point of... So you've done it a few times. Where... Where would you direct them to to put these things together? Who can give them some help? Yeah, so look, there's there's loads of support out there, and that 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 has massively changed in in the decade or so here in the yeah. UK. But like one of the first kind of free resources I'd be sending anyone to is Y Combinator. Okay, so that they back some of the biggest companies out there from Airbnb to HelloFresh to uh, Uber. Like it's crazy who yeah. they've backed, and they're an accelerator program where you can go and get free content and, and lessons and coaching online. You can also join their in-person program in San Diego. Phenomenal network, phenomenal resources. So that, that's number one. Number two, I think, again, it's about 
having a conversation with yourself, with your co-founders to say, well, what type of investment do we want? Mm. Do you want to go and do a, a friends and family round? Yeah. Do we want to go and do a crowd crowdfunding round? Like, do we want to go on Cube, uh, Cube Crowd or, or Cedars? Or do we want to actually try and get really early stage VC straight out the door, pre-revenue, pre-traction? Like, there's there's options. And then yeah. not, not to forget as well, family office, offices and high net individuals. Yeah. Okay. So that's a good bit of feedback there is where, where to start. Um, do you think that organisations in the UK do enough for their staff in terms of personal development and learning and putting their staff on courses? Or is that something... Full stop, no. No. <laughs> yeah. Um, and if you actually look at, at um, corporate spend on, yeah. on training over the last decade and a half, it's been declining, which I find frightening mm. given what's happening, A, with technology and the impact that's having on why skills. Do you, why do you think that is? I think it comes down to time. It comes down to resources. It comes down to cash flow. And I also think it just comes down to like attitudes and awareness. I think hopefully that is changing. I think COVID has opened people's eyes to that. Yeah. But as a society, if we want to be productive and if corporations want to actually grow, they've got to invest in their people, end mm. of. Yeah, I mean, and obviously you've you've done quite a bit in, in Australia, as you said. What do you, What do you see the difference in the UK to other other parts of the world in terms of entrepreneurship and success? I think we're still quite conservative. Um, mm. Unfortunately, the the old stigma that the UK and, and the, the Brits are conservative, I believe is still quite true. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, we still very much, our biggest influence growing up are parents, teachers. Yeah. We're told, go to university, get a degree, get a stable job. Yeah. I think that attitude's got to change. Um, and actually, you don't necessarily need to be going to university where you're spending three or four years racking up £100,000 in debt yeah. to get a degree in something like geography. Like, I think there's many ways in which you can spend a fraction of that money gaining certifications in Salesforce or doing a full stack development course or yeah. learning how to become a UX or UI designer. And actually, a lot of these jobs pay a lot more and allow you to actually get into a career a lot quicker. Yeah, no, I, I thoroughly agree. Um, you know, ju just touching on, I know we've covered quite a bit in a, in a short space of time. Um, and in, you know, we've, we've got some inspiring entrepreneurs, say, starting, looking to start up. What's the best piece of advice that you could give them? Yeah, so if you're looking to start a business, number one, believe in yourself. Um, you know, it is going to be a tough and bumpy road and it might not end in success, but believe in yourself, believe in the idea and, and, and absolutely go for it. Yeah. Um, and I think just be prepared to be resilient because this game is about taking rejection and, and just cracking on anyway. Yeah. Yeah. And is there anything, you know, what, what helped you get to where you was, where you are now? What, you know, personal development books that you've read, courses that you've done, do you believe in mentors? Yeah, I do. I've been very lucky and supportive to, A, worked with other entrepreneurs. I've yeah. also got friends that have started businesses doing a lot more successful things than what I have. I find that inspiring, helpful, yeah. you know, having a network of people around you that you can get advice from. Um, we're also very lucky to have Julian Cork on our board, who's a non-executive director. He's the COO at Landbay. Yeah. Just hit a billion pound loan book, probably about to IPO maybe 
in the future sometime soon. So, you know, I'm lucky to be surrounded by amazing mentors, amazing friends, an amazing family. Yeah. But I think, look, again, Y Combinator, some amazing content out there, combined then with reading things like the, the um, Startup Canvas. There's, there's so many materials, podcasts, reading resources that you can kind of now get stuck into. Yeah. So, you know, use the internet. It's your best friend. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of stuff there. Well, look, Brett, thanks for your time today. It's a pleasure... Um, having you on. Is there anything else before we wrap up and finish that we've missed about your journey? Well, more more just to say, look, Noma, we provide ethical, interest-free, fee-free finance. It takes less than a minute to complete. So if you are looking to upskill or if you are looking to change career, mm. check out www.nomawithak.io. We'd be happy to support you on, on that learning journey whilst Definitely. providing you you know, ethical finance. So just 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 to touch on that, um, just I know that you've you've said that get in touch if if anyone is look just a little bit dig a little bit deeper for our listeners and explain what you can do for them if they are sitting there looking at a course and they think it's a little bit too expensive. Yeah, well, first of all, we provide career guides. So yep. we provide and help to influence, show, and guide people into what careers and what job opportunities exist, and then what what courses can actually help land them a job in that career. Okay. Um, that's number one. Number two, we then provide them a way that they can spread the cost, interest and fee free uh, to avoid having to pay up front, avoid having to put it on high interest bearing products like credit cards or use traditional student loan companies out there that charge, charge an arm and a leg. Avoid that. We make our money by charging our partners, the people delivering the education, um, a fee so we can yep. deliver our services completely free to the student. Great. Well, look, you've heard it. You've heard it first here. You know, if you're interested, get in touch. Brett will be happy to look after you or one of his team, definitely. Any of the listeners want to reach out to you? How do they catch you? Social media? Yeah, LinkedIn's probably the best way. So, okay. yeah, any, any entrepreneurs out there that want to kind of connect, always happy to give back. I think that's super important. Been lucky in my, my journey so far to have, have had support along the way. Lovely. Well, look, Brett, thanks for coming on. Pleasure. Um, thanks for listening. That's... Um, one of the episodes done. We've got some more coming your way. Stay tuned. Thanks for listening as always. Um, we'll catch you soon. So for now, what I want to do is thank you for listening. Subscribe. Leave a review. Look forward to speaking to you on the next podcast with some exciting guests coming our way.